0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Mae Lemke, PW's graphic novel reviews editor. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. This week on More to Come, we're talking with Archie Bongiovanni, who is a cartoonist in Minneapolis, and they are the creator of Mimosa, which is one of my favorite titles of the past season. Oh, man. I love hearing that. want to bring it up. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. uh, which is that from Abrams uh, Comic Arts, but specifically from the Shirley imprint. This is one of the first, you know, releases in getting the vibe and um, you know, world out there for Shirley, which is Mariko Tamaki's line at Abrams Comic Arts. And briefly, I'm going to say about Archie that they are a comics artist and illustrator who focuses on making work that's gay and good. <laughs> Their other books include The Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns. Um, and the long running grease bats, which was on, and, and is on autostraddle. Maybe we can catch up on that. No
1: longer on autostraddle, but yeah. yeah?
0: Okay. <laughs> but still, is it still online as well as a book?
1: It's still online. You can still, yeah, you can still read all of the past ones on autostraddle.com okay. or read the collection.
0: Yeah. And the collection was um, a big hit with PW's reviewer. Um, as was. As was, um, Mimosa. Um, and you've also done comics for the New Yorker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Vice, The Nib. So Archie's out there a lot, has a really, really funny, uh, social media presence as well. <laughs> Which I <particularly laughs> appreciate. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. I like the, like, real mix up of, like, uh, everything on Maine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Everything on me, yep. Which is like a segue like to this book, which is kind of about everything on me. this is your adult book. You have a young adult book coming out, too, which we could briefly talk about. But I want to focus on Mimosa. And the – one of the – you know, everyone who's pitching it talks about being frank. It's a frank and funny, which means, like, it's got a lot of sex stuff right out there. <laughs>
1: that is so funny because, for me, like, it, it's so funny to hear, like, how diff- – Different people like uh, feel about or see or read into like the sex content of my mm-hmm. book, Um and a lot of people, a lot of reviewers are like, "This is a really frank book." Like you were saying that they're like, "There's like sexes in it." Like it starts with like a magic wand breaking down, mm-hmm. uh, and then I go to like I had um, a book release here in Minneapolis, and the audience was like a lot of queer a lot of my queer peers and stuff and they someone raises their hand and they're like why wasn't there more nudity in this book (laughs) so it's just like so interesting to hear like there are like different people like different like viewpoints of it where people are like yes this is really frank and then also some people who are like
0: but there could have been more like it could (laughs) have been there, there was only a little nudity. <laughs> Let's clarify for our readers, we're not talking about a Disney yeah. magic wand. We're talking about the kind oh. it plugs in. <laughs> Classic. Correct. Correct. Um, which is the image you're using all over social. It's quite funny. You're like, bow, bow, she has the wand. I know. Uh, yeah, my, um, yeah, my little promo images. I'm like, I'm just going to have the magic wand It's
1: like peeking in a mm-hmm. little corner of the promo. Yeah, the Vibrator yeah.
0: first book. So, so what it's about we should say is a group of queer friends um Mm -hmm. it's about coming not of age but sort of coming into adulthood and or being in adulthood so they're in their 30s one is in her their 40s
1: yeah about
0: to turn 40 about Mm -hmm. to turn 40 and these They live, they live like either like half the time together because they're crashing on each other's couches or they used to live together. They're all in each other's drama. And it's really Mm -hmm. about like a group of friends, you know, people could make like real sex in the city type conversations, like an anti-sex in the city, sex in the city style book. Um, but they're getting kind of annoyed at each other. Like really it's about getting it. It's a group therapy where you're annoyed at all the other people and then you learn Mm -hmm. about yourself. Um, and it's very funny. Yeah. You know, one thing that keeps happening is your work is getting compared to Bechdel and Dyke's to Watch Out For. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. a high bar, right? But it's also such a great compliment. Um, I think, what, how does that sit with you? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, to me, it
1: feels like it is like ultimately like the, one of the highest compliments I think I can receive. It is awesome. Um, and I am honored at all that my books can be like on the same shelf. Um, I also think that it is at times when I have been in my publishing career, that has been a little bit difficult when I was trying to publish or get Grease Bats printed Mm -hmm. as a book. um, The acquisitions team was having, I don't know the two inside baseball. No, no. no, Okay. The acquisitions team had a really difficult time finding anything to compare it to, Mm -hmm. to give like an accurate amount of like how much it would sell, like what's Mm -hmm. a good advance. Um, And I think that is, Still happening I think with queer adult books um, or, or sorry, queer adult graphic
0: novels. I right like Bechdel is a touch point because that work is the work right that that is that the period, work. That, that's been and tested then, through a trade house. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and also it is such a well-known work by mm-hmm. such a well-known author that it isn't actually like perhaps the best representation of how mm-hmm. a book would sell mm-hmm. um, because it is so you know just like so next level um that that i think that has been a little bit of like a little problem in 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 getting my work done becoming like a full-time comic artist um and so while it's like awesome and amazing it does make me wish that there was like you know like obviously like things are continued to get published and like the the world of graphic novels are changing every year um that it's like, okay, I need, like, a lot – there there should be so much to compare to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but well, you're
0: creating has, that, right, to some extent. Yeah. Like, Shirley yes. is, is a good example of mm-hmm. it. Yep. And I was hopefully creating more models and, and market testing in a way. Yes. Which is, you know, a yes. terrible way to talk about books, but we are talking – as an industry insider podcast, so yeah. I think – I think that, I mean, the thing about Allison's work too, right, is that I used to sit in like the Walden books in Seattle on the floor and read the collection that I talked about for the very early ones.
1: Yes. So, mm-hmm.
0: you know, if we we can think about Greasebats as really maybe that as the model more, right? Like, yeah. yes, then, and then, you know, this is perhaps the example of her, her like, larger trade house books. Yeah. So I think that's something where right? it's like you can, you can still be, you're still coming from an indie ethos to some extent.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like yes, I yeah, very much so with like um Bruce bats is like it's it's you don't have to pay to read it. You can like easily read it online if you want. It's I think easier to read it as a printed collection, but um yes, and I do a lot of like zines and self-publishing too. Um and then it was awesome to be able to work with Surly to to print mimosa because I actually was able to have like the time mm-hmm. and the time and money and energy to actually like create backgrounds for my characters and to do something so long form um which is like my preferred way of telling stories so I'm looking forward to doing more of that in the future but yeah it is like there I have like my little strips uh like grease bats and now I have like yeah like a longer form graphic novel out
0: I mean let's talk about the characters memos. I think what's mm-hmm. so appealing is they're so relatably flawed. So these uh Minneapolis Queers, Best Friends, Chris, Joe, Elise, and Alex. Yeah. Um, do you wanna talk oh I I kept thinking about how you were some somewhat in this book, and also in Greece but really in here in a fuller way, playing with like new archetypes. Right? Like you're creating mm-hmm. like the, the crew of queer friends. And, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the jokes come from this comedy of manners where you're, they, you know, they're relatable and real characters, but they're also standing in for a type. Right? And it might mm-hmm. be a type that's not as familiar to a broader trade audience, but it's very familiar to like, I'm assuming like your insider crowd. Right? Yes. So can you speak yeah. to a little bit? Like how you were inspired and what your feelings were about these characters developing them? Yeah, it was like super
1: fun to kind of like create these characters. I knew I wanted to draw about a chosen family mm-hmm. and like the, the nuances that happen in a chosen family and how like, um, as you get to know people, like sometimes like you you're like, and they kind of annoy each other. Like mm-hmm. the people you're closest to tend to sometimes annoy you the most. Um, so I really wanted to, to kind of like expand on that in like a full comic, but, um, as I was developing them, I knew just from like the people within my life in my life, like what I wanted. I wanted to have um, a a lease, a queer who worked in like in nonprofits because mm-hmm. that is like that is within my friend group. There is always a friend who is like in the nonprofit industrial complex, like <laughs> working hard to like change things. Uh, and then I knew I wanted to have like. Um, I really wanted to have, uh, someone be like a parent, um, Mm -hmm. like a queer parent. I think, I think that is like important to showcase. And then also does provide a little bit of, at times, difficulty connecting to other queers, um, depending on like who you are surrounded by. Um, and then kind of like, I knew I wanted to have like a, um, Joe, someone who uses tarot cards to kind of like help guide her through her life and also like juggling with like multiple jobs. Um and then with Alex, I wanted to have this I think very much like this like um Alex he's like a trans guy who's got like a little bit of an ego. He like um is a little aloof also um still kind of caring in his own way, um, kind of like full-time artist type. So, yeah, I guess those are kind of like the archetypes I was like trying to, to kind of hone in on. It was like a little bit of like their work, um, a little bit of like where they are class-wise, like Elise and Chris have to be roommates so mm-hmm. Chris can afford, um, and then multiple jobs. So I wanted to accurately represent... In my opinion, what it is like to be like queer in your 30s. Um, growing up, I think like my image of what 30 and 40 look like is very different from you know a multitude of reasons uh, than what I think it is. Where I was like, oh, I'll have like there's like some lines in the comic. It's like you'll have a 401k, you'll have a re-, you know you like you'll have a steady job, you'll mm-hmm. have like a house, you'll have like a like a partner and like none of those are real <laughs> in my experience with like the majority of the people that I share community with. So it was fun to like showcase that. Um, and,
0: and that's so generational, great. I think. Yes. In a broader sure. way, but also, and this is done lightly, like I think it's not brought to the surface as much, but I think yes. there's something very interesting about how particularly having multiple transgender characters, you're yes. talking about people who are, in some ways resetting professional relationships when they're going through a transition at a later point in life.
1: So you're Mm -hmm. in a very
0: kind of background way, making a commentary on how that can affect someone's larger socioeconomic positioning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like there is like the, the, um, the, there's like a trans woman character. She's the one that has multiple jobs, right. you know? And like, and I think there, that is not like necessarily like an accident that that mm-hmm. is the character that is like constantly having to hustle for work um, and to find something steady versus, you know, the cisgender character who has a job at a nonprofit,
0: mm-hmm. you know? So, Yeah. And risks that job actually with a romantic relationship with her boss. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be yeah. too many spoilers about how that goes, but like I what I love a comedy of men it's a very classic like book about class and romance, right mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, so it's all about getting dates and also getting paid, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> so we should say that the
0: plot, you know, such as it is, is a sort of loose arc is really about these friends deciding to do a queer dance night where they don't feel too old. Mm-hmm. Right. They're yeah. on grind, And it says it's like what for people in their dirty thirties, I think is what the catalog copy says. Yep. Um, yeah. Did you have a model for that in Minneapolis? Is there like a good, like thirties queer dance night? There
1: was. there was.
0: Oh,
1: yes. There was actually a couple here. So like, This is, like, a very fictionalized Minneapolis, in my opinion, um, because my experience in Minneapolis is, like, a super vibrant, super active, uh, very busy city where you, if you want something to exist, you can build it, and it will, like, people will show up, Um, and also, like, you can be in your 30s at any gay dance night here and, like, make friends. There's going to be, it's, like... just, I, one of the things I love about Minneapolis is people just like show up as they are and like it is very friendly. Um, however, in this, in this fictionalized Minneapolis, um, that does not exist the same way. Um, there have been like two queer dance nights, one from a long time ago that lasted um, like maybe half a year before stopping and then one that was going on pre-pandemic and has not come back since post-pandemic. Um, that were specifically for LGBTQ folks over 30, um, and they didn't last. I had experience again pre-pandemic for about a year and a half, running co co-running a queer dance night and variety show called Daddy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was also kind of inspiring for, for grind in the book is that I was with like some friends organizing a queer variety show slash dance night that was like pretty successful while it existed. Um, and I got to kind of see what happens like on the back end of organizing those events because usually I'm like an attendee being like, this is so fun. This is awesome. And then at the event, I have like a clipboard. I'm like a little stressed out, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) So it was fun. So I think a little bit of the inspiration behind it came from like those previous events that did exist, but also um, kind of like organizing and seeing what happened, what goes into um, putting on an event. Yeah.
0: Right. So like a lot of the tension arises from friends trying to work together. Like They're trying Mm -hmm. to create this event Um, and who is actually putting in the kind of work and like emotional labor versus, funding, like seed funding, where like that yes. comes from becomes a major plot point. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions about that and, like, the way that the – well, so I, w- I should say that a lot of the humor comes from them, like, either, like, spilling tea on each other or, like, roasting each other, right? There's a lot of, like, yeah. very funny sort of telling each other off. Um, yeah. As well as, like, funny scenarios. Um, but to get into some of the characters, Chris is the character who is a parent and is also going mm-hmm. through a messy divorce. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really great character, you know, as being, so I'm also along with, I haven't even said, I'm the reviews editor at Publishers Weekly for comics and graphic mm-hmm. novels on the adult side. Um, mm-hmm. And I also run Mother Magazine, which is a, a alternative parenting magazine where we do oh, a lot cool. on, yeah, yes. a um, on the side. And we've done, you know, a lot, like we've done um, A.K. Summer's work mm-hmm. after Pregnant Butch came out. And I think there's a great scene where Chris, talks about being misgendered in mommy groups and like, just like the difficulty of showing up and just feeling so immediately put off, like put on, yeah. on their heels in that space. Yeah. Um, but they're also experiencing a lot of tension within, like within the queer family. Right. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. a bit about that and like where you've seen that happening or well, I don't know what, just tell me more about Chris. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chris is like, yeah. So
1: Chris is like a a, a blogger, a parenting blogger. Um, there's like and and I think part of yes, Chris feels tension in like multiple spots. Like mm-hmm. trying to connect with other parents, they feel a little off put kind of instinctively right away. Um, a lot of the groups that I think Chris has partaken in is um tends tend to be like pre heterosexual and like there's a scene where like Chris is getting like misgendered by other parents. Um there's also like a small little, I don't know if you noticed, but there's like a little sign above Chris's desk where um, Chris's blog is called parenting beyond the binary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little plaque that's like number one mommy blogger of the year parenting right. beyond the blog. Yeah. So there's like, it's like Chris is like in this like in between space mm-hmm. um, and it's trying to navigate it. And Chris is also in like an in between space when it comes to like their queer community, they have their chosen family. Um, that they rely a lot on and then also when it comes to like trying to connect to everyone else it is a little bit of a point of tension whether it be because of their age because they're a parent and also because the queer community can be pretty insular everyone knows chris's business right as far as like uh, what went down with their divorce and their mm-hmm. their ex um and i think chris can depending on who's reading it chris could Come across as needy um as far as like what they expect and need from their friends but I also think Chris has in some ways like the highest stakes Chris is trying to show up for themselves for their community for their friends and for their kid um and so when those stakes are so high I think um that that the that you need, you need to rely on, like, a group of people, and so, like, I think that's part of what happens with Chris, is that Chris is, like, recognizing at times people can't show up,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, the way that
1: maybe they need them to, and, like, what do you, where, how do you navigate through that when you're, like, when you have, um, when you need assistance, you need help, you need
0: breaks, you know? Yeah, so um, the parenting is just no, yeah. is no small feat. And I think I had the same sense of this idea of the uh, stakes for Chris were different. I don't want to say real mm-hmm. because the other stakes are real. Um, mm-hmm. but there's something really interesting about how the idea of like cooperative community and like the idea that everyone does yeah. potlucks and helps each other emotionally and goes through breakups together comes to a different testing point when someone has a child to take care of. Right. Yeah. And and needs to and is trying to ask the community to help them with that very real yeah. work. Where like leaving a child alone is not an option. Yeah. You know, even if like, you can wait mm-hmm. until later to call your friend back when they're going through a breakup, you can't if they say like I need to get to work, I need someone to take this kid. So yeah. you're seeing some of the, the the fractures in that, in those expectations.
1: Yeah. yeah. And like people who maybe could have shown up earlier mm-hmm. in different ways. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, like oh, I can come over with you for a beer after work and process your breakup is different when you're like, I need someone to help me with like these, this laundry or like I need to get to work. Can someone babysit my kid? Like the, the. Um, I do think the asks that Chris is asking for are important, like more mm-hmm. in some ways more important than like perhaps some of the other needs that people are trying to get met in this book.
0: But it's so complicated. I mean, I will just say this is getting mm-hmm. a little off the main yeah. topic, but like the ask of taking care of kids in the last couple of years, which doesn't kind of happen in the universe of this book, but became very different because a lot of the times you need someone to take care of your kids is when they're sick, for example. And yep. so now yes. people aren't ready to take care of each other when they're sick in the same way due to yeah. where we are and, and yep. the pandemic. So I think it now brought it up a true. lot of feelings for me about like how mm-hmm. we can of can't rely on our, our chosen families in some ways. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to also ask you about this idea of it as a morality play. I really kept thinking it has a little bit of Sartre, like, hell does other people feel to it? <laughs>
1: like yeah. What do you want
0: people to walk away with? Because there are some pretty pointed critiques that come out of the voice of mm-hmm. some of the characters. And did you have a feeling of, like, wanting to shake some things up in this book? Or...
1: I didn't necessarily have, this is a really good question of like, what did I want people to walk away with? Because I try not to overthink themes or, or what points when I'm creating it. I really enjoy, um, putting it out there and then seeing what kind of comes back at me from readerships. Um, I did, I think my most important thing with like how it ended and like, where, where things got was that like, um, that I think sometimes the, the people that you've known the longest aren't the ones that are going to stay in your life the longest or like mm. just because you've known them the longest doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to be good for you. Um, and that, uh, a little bit of like, I think, I guess perhaps without spoiling anything. I do think there is power in staying and working through conflict with, with chosen family, with people. And I do also think there's like a little bit of validity of like walking away or like knowing, knowing, mm, knowing to do when do to walk and away. Think, yeah, a little bit. And also like, um, and like also recognizing who's staying to, to do, to do the difficult work with you mm. and like, and like I think that is a little bit of like what I was like kind of like chewing on thinking about and also mostly trying to represent like what would possibly happen in a actual like friend group that was sort of like imploding in a, of itself like who would stay who would drift who would um become like on the peripheral versus the inside and like you know like just like kind of like accurately show um how things can kind of just like morph and change when you know like if you had asked these characters at the beginning of the book I think that they were like oh no no this is we are it Mm -hmm. you know forever like this is it um and that isn't necessarily true yeah
0: yeah and it also gets a financial privilege and Lack Mm -hmm. of access and who is able to just kind of F off and has the the financial privilege to do that. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. So was this the first book that you've done that was a personal work, but not to say the pronoun guide wasn't a personal work. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is part of your answer where you had significant editorial input from like a professional editor. Like what was the difference in that process?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. So all of my stuff has been edited um a quick and easy guide had ari yarwood who was then at Oney oh Press.
0: yeah oh yeah
1: Ari is now at silver sprocket i
0: believe yeah yeah, yeah. Ari is at silver yeah. Sprocket. that's correct yeah and are oh, no, I mean. fan-
1: oh yeah yeah um ari was a fantastic editor and like was really actually quite useful in when tristan and i were uh co-writing that book and then grease bats had different um Different auto straddle editors mm-hmm. kind of throughout, um, mostly A.E. Osworth, who is an author now. Um, and, um, this for, for Mimosa, it did have like significant editing and it was really awesome and really interesting. So when I took it to Charlotte and Marco, um, originally it was kind of about like all four characters equally. And they kind of helped me do a rewrite, focusing sort of like all four have their stories and have points to play, but kind of focusing a little bit more on two of them. And I think that did make like a much stronger story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the biggest change. But overall, like they were so awesome. Shirley Books is like also amazing because no one was like tone it down. No one was like. Don't have that sex scene. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wanted to see
0: in the book. Yeah. How did that, not to cut you off, but how did that work logistically? Does Mariko Mm -hmm. sign it and then Charlotte edits or did they both edit?
1: To my under, they both sent edits in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think both of them had like thoughts. Mariko, Mariko was the, I think a little bit heavier on the editing side, mm-hmm. but I think they both had to approve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a story that both of them read and both of them agreed that, yes, this would be a good book mm-hmm. for us. Um, and then I did get like thoughts and words back from both of them um, about it. Yeah. And I think just they both know comics like so well. Right. those really they, wonderful I imagine movie. they both, yeah, yeah, and I think they probably both—they both know comics so well—and I think they probably approach comics a little bit differently than mm-hmm. each other too, as far as like what stands out as like, oh, this could use tweaking here versus like structurally here versus paint like this panel here. So like, yeah, they approach it in like a slightly different way, but overall, it was like very awesome. I've had um when I was doing Grease Bats as far as like the like not a- editing to tone it down or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like editing Grease Bats, one of the things that my editors there were trying to kind of like, they weren't like pushing me to do, but they were like, do you want to change the swear words and any of the drug references? And there's not many, but there's some um, like out of the book, um, because if they're in there, it won't show up in libraries, which right. is like a significant buyer. And so I had to kind of like contemplate like who's my audience. And like what and what I want my sales to look like, and ultimately I opted to keep that language in because I wanted it to sound like how we speak and like how these characters in their mid twenties speak and act. Um, but as such, like yeah, it's not going to be in like a school library.
0: Right, it won't um, show up in, for teenagers, yeah. but it doesn't like mean it won't show up in library collections for adults. That's true.
1: Won't show up for like maybe like. School Libraries, or like yeah, but they're always yeah.
0: chasing that elusive and profitable what young adult crossover audience. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Uh, is that why you think friends are asking you about nudity? is because they wondered if you had been uh, censored in the current book? Is it, do you think that's what they were trying to get at, or they just wanted yeah, more? To I think,
1: well, I think a little bit of both. I think they were like, I think probably they're trying to pry to be mm. like your editor is like blah blah blah, and it's like no, actually like this just has a plot played out like (laughs) you know I think if they one of the characters was like a nudist they would be nude all the time but like it's just like sort of like out it was like plot forward of as far as like the what happened in the story um I think my friends do know times that like people have been like editors have been um a little nervous to do my work before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. either because of like my social media presence or because of my previous work so I I have one I wrote um I wrote a young adult book about like a fictionalized sort of Stonewall called by for first second um for their history comics series history comic Stonewall um and they mm-hmm. were Pumped to have me write it and stuff, but they're also a little nervous. And they're like, "Do you think maybe you could like keep your Twitter, your Instagram, a little like PG for like a couple months around when it was like published?" And I was like, "Maybe."
0: Yeah, I, was <laughs> I, don't, gonna say, I don't
1: recall that. I don't think I did it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Oh, um, it it was wasn't like, in writing. I it wasn't like day shut. It's continuing. Yeah. Yeah, there was no. Con- it wasn't like in the written in the contract, but yeah, and, like ultimately, I don't think it mattered. But like, like I think that's like a one example of like having like editors be nervous to work with me. I've also had like editors reject my work. Um, I've, I remember one specific time I was pitching something, and um, this editor who felt the need to tell my agent that he was gay. <laughs> was, like, I don't see myself in this work. I think that it is, like, mm. kind of lewd. I think it's really explicit. And what, it, like, the image, I think, that was, like, really standing out was, like, a character boiling their dildos. So, like, to me, it's, like, that character has a shirt on.
0: <laughs> They're just doing their day-to-day. Well, and they have clean dildos.
1: Like, I don't know. Like... And then they have clean dildos. But, again, I'm a little you get worried about
0: that person. Like I, I
1: know, right? Like, what no, are you doing? Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I, it's just, like, so interesting. I feel like I'm going, I've just gone on, like, a, yeah, I've gone on, like, a tangent. But, like, I think when it comes to graphic novels, things that maybe would be okay in, like, a written, like, a written book become that much more explicit
0: because you can kind of, it, it, there is, like, an actual visual of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. Whereas, this yeah. is why mm-hmm.
0: graphic novels have been the easy, It didn't like it. Didn't get, Insidiously easy, uh, poster child for the book banning, you know, movement currently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we're, like, I mean, as we're joking here, as I have the tendency to joke about your work brings up these great, like easy, frank jokes. I don't know. We'll see. Like, uh, will this get clipped on the podcast? Kate, you let me know. Kate's our producer. Um, oh, great. because <laughs> I think, you know, my, my co-babe was at Mocha on two panels and Maya's mm-hmm. just dealt with so much. Yeah. Recently. But it's only a panel or two in gender queer yeah. that that were needed, and because they're the panels are so easy to isolate, right? As graphic graphic novels. Yeah. And so I can see that where like you know, I mean, Benji Nate also has a lot of sex toy jokes in the yeah. new, new yeah. book coming yeah. up. Yeah. And I think it's generational, right? As well. Like you're potentially. I don't know who the editor is, of course, that you're. Uh, alluding to, but like it's a generational thing to some extent, right? Like what people mm-hmm. are willing to talk about. Yeah. But what was in, like, say Stone Blues is like it's it's written, and so people can't. It's not drawn. It's not as easy to kind of post yes. on social media and get this gut reaction from yeah out of context for folks who don't understand queer literature. Yeah, right. So you yeah. can see people trying to navigate that and just be more nervous on the industry side. Like they don't want like like they, they want to figure out how much they have to lawyer up in the current
1: yeah time, right yeah yeah it is like yeah it, it has inherent risks that's true yeah
0: I like. um but it's I mean, kudos to you and kudos to uh Rico and charlotte for just moving ahead boldly with the work like yeah they know what the environment is right now and they're absolutely making it forefront in this book mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: Um, speaking of drawing instead of writing things you know, have there been storytelling challenges that you were able to address because you're doing comics and like, how has that happened for you?
1: I'm not sure if there's necessarily like storytelling challenges. Comics have always just been it for me as far as like how I will tell a story. Um, I think I've always been attracted to, the juxtaposition between an image and text, um, and like the power that can happen between that. I, or, um, and also I think being able to draw an expression is just like the most exciting thing to be able to draw like a complicated expression with just like a few lines. Um, yeah, it's just always attracted attracted me. So um ever since like I was like in high school I have like a diary entry where I'm like, I don't care what I do as long as I'm drawing comics.
0: Aww.
1: Like, yeah I know. I know, look at me now. Um so like there was never really like any sort of other way to kind of like share my work other than like comics. Yeah. Yeah. So um I do think it has like, it has its unique challenges to be a comic artist. You actually do need to learn how to draw everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, um, I, th- I think people don't necessarily understand quite how daunting that is to like figure out perspective and
0: mm-hmm. how to draw
1: people and how to draw, like, how do you draw, like, like, how do you simplify Something that isn't that's like harder to simplify. Where it's like, you know, we all know like a lamp is really easy to simplify with like dip, da, dip, da, dip, da, dip. you can't see that you won't be able to see it in the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, you-, <laughs> Bradamy- you know what like an infographic of a lamp. lamp. Yeah, through. like an- <laughs> yeah, like an infographic of a lamp looks like. And like I think part of what makes like cartooning is so fun mm-hmm. is that you get to do that with like everything. Mm-hmm. Of like how does how do you draw a couch? How do you draw a pillow? How do you draw, do you draw shoes? Um, and I think that is, like, a little bit of a challenge, but it's, like, very fun, and, like, I'm still, like, I have had many books come out, and many comics come come out, and I'm still, like, learning to draw different things,
0: so. What was your favorite part to draw in the book? This is a question that Shannon Garrity, one of our contributor writers, Mm -hmm. always asks, and her, and I'm stealing this bit from Shannon. What was your favorite part to draw?
1: I loved drawing the party scenes. Mm. I love drawing the crowd scenes, the gays at grind, queers in their going out outfits, um, what they're wearing and how they're feeling themselves and like celebrating each other and like dancing upon each other and like friends meeting. So those scenes are really important to me. Um I love I think gay bars are um gay bars and gay spaces are really important to not me, just me as an individual, but as far as like LGBTQ culture as well. Um, so I felt honored and happy I was able to like kind of like visually draw and depict those moments. Um I also find it like really fun. Um one of my favorite thing about being in those spaces is seeing different homos like really feeling themselves and really feeling each other. So I got to like depict that and that's like super fun. I was also drawing this during the height of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, in like 2020, 2021, when I was not at those spaces, obviously. Um, and so it was a little bit of like, I got to like kind of put my heart back into it of like, Oh, I can almost like feel the glitter on this body or like, <laughs> like I can like hear this, like I'll put on some like pumped up jams while I'm drawing this. Um, and so it was this, like, little bittersweet moment of drawing this comic, of, like, yearning these spaces, missing these spaces, and hoping that one day they can kind of come back in some form. Um
0: Oh, that's very yeah. beautiful, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. I can really see that. It's it's so interesting because I hear people complaining about crowd scenes a lot, like just the labor mm-hmm. of them and the time and yeah. kind of the tediousness. But then you speak, to, like this is such a beautiful moment, the idea that you were drawing yeah. something, you were like in an elegiac way, but also like a, a wish for the future.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. These are the crowd scenes mm-hmm. I want to be actually like physically in too. So it wasn't like I was drawing like a random crowd. These were like, like I got to like, kind of like, research like I got to look at like old photos of like the daddy the the old queer game sites that mm-hmm. I've been attending, like, put on or like I attended and like being able to like, kind of like see people in those photos and be like okay how do I translate this into a drawing now and like yeah yeah
0: those oh, are that's definitely so, my, that's so by
1: far my favorite moments yeah
0: um so last question is what are you working on next
1: yeah so I got signed on with Shirley Books again Oh, so, great. yep, yep, I just signed my contract in January. Um, I'm not sure how much I can say about this next graphic novel, but okay. um but I'll say some things about it. Um cuz no one told me otherwise. Um it is about a character kind of figuring out um their gender and sexuality simultaneously through cruising apps mm-hmm. in Alaska. So it kind of it brings. Me, I I was born and raised in Alaska. Oh, really? Interesting. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So I get to kind of like go home mm-hmm. in some ways to be able to like draw this comic, which is really exciting for me as an author. Um, I've always I think Alaska is such like an interesting place and such a unique place that I feel excited to like kind of like go back to that locale. Um, and then I also get to draw about like queer cruising and apps. And like basically a, a character who is like feeling their gender and sexuality simultaneously shift, not based on necessarily like love or romance, but kind of based on sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that really exciting. And I think it's going to be really fun. And, um, there will be more nudity than in
0: mimosa, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Everyone's going to take off their clothes. Um, yeah. Last <laughs> interesting place to set a book about using the Mm -hmm. kicker thing app because it's, it's very small towns, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of isolation, you know, everyone has done this business.
1: Yeah. It's a small town. It's like pretty like insular. uh, And like, that is like, not just what this is about. It's also about like a character who is also kind of feeling a little insular in and of themselves. So, um, yeah, I guess supposedly it's about, like, expansion, expanding
0: horizons mm. in, like, a small space. And you're going back to be in your hometown and look around and, like, take, take – I don't know
1: that. yet. I think I will probably take this opportunity to write it off as a business expense
0: right. to Sounds go fair. back
1: there. Yeah, um, I still have – my dad still lives up in Alaska,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I – do try to go back every couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I do think like going back this time with like the point of like taking some reference photos or like there's some bars that it takes place in. Um And hopefully like really capturing the feel of specifically Fairbanks is where I'm from, which is like
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: in the middle. It's not necessarily like a visually like the mountains and the forests are so gorgeous. And then the city itself is like very concrete.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like,
1: visually really interesting. you got
0: to put your dad as like a background character just like sitting.
1: Absolutely. Family. He'll make it in. Yeah, I try and put as many like little like goodies for myself mm. and the people that know me in my books as I can. So as many little like mm. things that people I know <laughs> or, or books I know or whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Archie, for your time. And we want to remind listeners to please check out Archie's new book, Mimosa which is out from the Shirley imprint at Abrams Comic Arts. Also, find more to come uh, on publishersweekly.com slash comics. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.